Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in, everybody. Another edition of the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Patriots fall to 1-1 one and one with a loss on Sunday Night Football against the Seahawks. Final score, 35-30. to 30. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at FA Radio Brady or on Facebook at Brady Farkas-Sports Radio Personality. Noted Seahawks fan, actor, and entertainer, the host of the Believe in Seahawks podcast, Brett Davern, will join us in about 10 minutes. As always, the podcast brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. It's been two great weeks so far. Most of you can't be at the games this year, but you can still be in on all the action thanks to Bet Online. I would have made great money this Sunday for all of you if you'd been listening to me when I told you Arizona minus six and a half against Washington was my bet of the week. Cardinals covered. Cardinals are officially a problem this year. Patriots will see them later in the year. An early look at week three. I like Washington to get back on track. Plus seven against Cleveland, even though it's on the road. Cleveland's not as good as they played on Thursday. Washington's not as bad as they looked yesterday against Arizona. I like the football team to cover plus seven. So from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And the online casino never closes as well. So head online to betonline.ag and take advantage today. Let's get into it right here again. Patriots 35-30 losers to the Seahawks last night, and it all came down to this final play. Two tight ends left, two to the right. Johnson shifts to his left hip, snaps to Newton. He's going to run it left. He's hit behind the line, and he somersaults to the two. The Seahawks celebrate as they stop Newton for a loss on the run, and Seattle will win it over the Patriots 35-30. That was our friend Bob Sosi, Patriots broadcaster, and his partner Scott Zolak on the Patriots Radio Network, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. You heard it right away. Zoe's voice said, nope, play never had a chance. Linebacker Bobby Wagner blew it up. Patriots interior got blown up. Never really had a shot. But by and large, you need to be encouraged by what you saw out of the New England Patriots yesterday. They are far better than we thought. They are far closer than we expected, and they are far more ready to compete than we gave them credit for, all of us, including me. Let's take it from there. Our overall takeaways from week two. Overall takeaways. It's exactly that. If you have any other reaction to this game other than you need, you're excited about where the Patriots are going, then you're doing this wrong. I can't help you at that rate. If you walked away from this game feeling anything but encouraged, I cannot help you. Cam Newton proved a ton to you on Sunday night. He proved he could throw the ball. All the questions about his shoulder, all the questions about his accuracy, all the questions about his decision-making, his mechanics, he answered all of them in one game last night. He was largely accurate, made very good decisions. Outside of the one miscommunication with Demir Bird that got picked by Quentin Dunbar, he was largely perfect yesterday. He tossed for nearly 400 yards. He got everybody involved in the offense, he showed you that he can win a game with his arm just like he can win it with his legs, and he, again, is truly that dual-threat quarterback. He is not one-dimensional. This team is not one-dimensional. And Cam proved that he and the team could move the football when they as a team couldn't run. Yeah, Cam ran for you know 40-plus yards, but the running backs on this team J.J. Taylor, Rex Burkhead, Sonny Michelle, 
1.6 yards per carry. They got 1.6 yards per carry from the running back. I could have gone out there and run for 1.6 yards a carry against that porous Seahawks defense. But Cam showed you that when we don't have balance, that when we don't have a running game, we can still move the football because I can move the football through the air. How can you not be excited about this? How can you not be encouraged for all the talk all offseason, from me included, about how they were an 8-8 eight and eight football team? And some people, Colin Coward out of it, 5-11. and 11. Today, those people should be eating crow saying, wow, okay, it's Baltimore and Kansas City in the AFC, and then we don't know. New England might be there. That's how excited you should feel about what you saw from the Patriots yesterday. I asked the question on Thursday. It's great when the Patriots play from ahead. It's great when they're beating by meeting Miami by double digits. What happens when they're down? What happens when they don't have the cushy lead and they can't suck the air out of the football? Well, they proved that too. They were down double digits twice yesterday. 28-17, 35-23, they nearly won. They had no business being in that game, but they were, and it was because of Cam. And really, if Edelman catches that ball in the end zone on the last series with 20 seconds to go, they win that game. You could argue they should have won that game. Cam had control on the field. He wasn't emotional. He commanded the huddle. He was calm. He looked like he had done it 100 times before. In the same way that you used to feel like Tom Brady would bring the Patriots back, you can now rest assured that this team always has a chance with Cam. This is what you should be taking away from yesterday. I understand that you want to win. I understand that it hurts not to win. But given the division the Patriots play in, a loss is okay. It's about getting better, process over outcome, and the process yesterday for the Patriots was nearly perfect. Cam has been in New England for barely two months. He was going up against, look, 3,000 miles away, going up against an MVP candidate quarterback, a guy who threw for five touchdown passes, a guy who's at the top of his game right now, a team with two 1,000-yard rushers, two legitimate wide receivers, a ball hawking and physical secondary. That's what Cam was going up against. He had no business being in that game, and yet he came back from the dead twice and nearly won the game, and he's won Julian Edelman. It's not a drop, but one Julian Edelman maybe could have had it from winning that game on the road in a generally hostile environment. Cam, in the fourth quarter alone, Cam led a seven-play, 75-yard scoring drive and a nine-play, 79-yard drive, which is the one that came up two yards short of the game-winning touchdown. Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, he had this takeaway last night on his Patriots podcast that he does with Tommy Curran. My slant when it comes to this game is that I think Patriots fans should actually be a little bit pleased by this loss. Um, he says fans should be a little bit encouraged. No, Phil Perry, you're much smarter than that. You cover the team much better than that. Not a little bit encouraged. In a in a stats-driven world, usually moral victories don't matter. Moral victories matter here. We had the Patriots being average. Some people had them being far below average. We had them being lucky to get 
the sixth seed in the AFC playoffs. They are now a team that could compete for the third seed in the AFC. They could be a, a, a three seed, a four seed. They, they could win a division. And I didn't think that last week. You should be encouraged. You should be giddy about what happened last night as I taped this on Monday. You should be happy. You should be giddy about what happened in Seattle. And, and by the way, Cam, we talk about the numbers in the fourth quarter. It went beyond just that. He was awesome in critical situations. He was 8 for 11 on third and fourth down. 8 for 11 on third and fourth down. That is the stuff that Tom Brady would do. Step up big in the big moments. There's Edelman. There's Harry. There's Bird. Cam Newton was doing it all. And our last question we had was we, we wondered, can the offense diversify? Can Cam keep it up? Well, they ran 67% of the time against Miami. They ran 64, or they threw 64% of the time against Seattle. They've played two flip-flopped game plans and two flip-flopped game scripts, and they have won a game and been in a game against what we think is a very good team. Cam threw the ball downfield. He threw the ball. He threw the ball when it counted, and he threw the ball downfield. I mean, he threw the ball. 10-plus yards in the air, 16 times on Sunday night. How many against Miami? Four. He threw it in the air 10, more, 10 or more yards 16 times against Seattle. 13 of 16, 265 yards. Deep over the middle, Julian Edelman. Play action, beat a zone, middle of the field, outside the numbers. He made every throw. He made every run. He bought time. He scrambled. He played from within the pocket. You have no choice but to be encouraged by what you saw from the New England Patriots. The Jets are bad. The Dolphins are 0-2. Buffalo, we wonder if Josh Allen will turn into a pumpkin again at some point. The Patriots are now right there in the mix for a division title, something we did not think a week ago. Another new segment here on the Believe in Patriots podcast. We're going to do this every single Tuesday. Um, A lot of takes around the Patriots and a lot of people coming in with some interesting ones over the course of the last 18 hours or so that I, uh, you know, from the time the game ended until I tape this, let's get to what are they saying? Sometimes people say stupid things. I said, how do I want Patriot games to go for Cam to play great and they to lose in heartbreak? Check and check. Everything came up, Nick, right this weekend. Sometimes people say smart things, but it works. I thought Cam was accurate. I thought he made really good decisions. They played to his strengths. Locally, regionally, nationally. Here's what they're saying about your New England Patriots. Number one. Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback, played with the Lions most notably this morning on ESPN. That's a great loss for New England. A great loss. They're better than I thought they would be. I think they're better than a lot of people thought they would be. Cam Newton looks awesome. Cam Newton does look awesome. Again, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN on ESPN television this morning. I have said I think the Patriots would win eight games. I thought they were a baseline eight-win team. If everything goes right, they get to ten. If everything goes awful, they fall to six. I Things are trending up for them. Okay, They've already got one. Let's give them five wins in the division. Let's say they sweep Miami sweep the Jets, and they take one of two from Buffalo. That gets you five wins. Where are the other wins going to come from? Well, they're going to see Denver probably without their starting quarterback, Drew Locke. 
I got to think they can win that one against Jeff Driscoll. That gets you to six. Can they go and beat Vegas next week at home? As I tape this, Vegas hasn't played on Monday Night Football against the Saints, but I think the Patriots are better than Vegas. That would be seven wins. Can you find two more to get to nine to be to exceed my expectations of eight? Well, you're going to see San Francisco maybe without Jimmy Garoppolo or with a hampered Jimmy Garoppolo and a San Francisco team that's now missing everybody. You're going to see them in a couple of weeks, I believe, in week five. So they're going to get some breaks here in their schedule. We said eight win baseline, 10 if all goes well. You got to get some breaks. Well, Jimmy G not playing would be a break. Drew Locke not playing would be a break. Maybe that gets you eight wins. Maybe you go beat the Chargers and, and Tyrod Taylor's banged up or Justin Herbert. You know, we know Belichick's track record against rookies. I mean, you've got to believe that the Patriots now are able to exceed the eight wins that I thought. They are much better than we thought, and they are far closer than we expected them to be at this point of the season to being a contender. Let's get to number two. Number two. Let's stay with Dan Orlovsky. Controversy over the final play call. Why did Cam run it? Why was there no play action? Dan Orlovsky, number two. The, the, the goal-to-go play call is the right play. It was the right play. It was their best play in their best player's hands. He had been two-for-two two on that play before. He's the, probably the greatest one-yard quarterback we've ever seen or one-yard-needed quarterback we've ever seen in the NFL. I agree with the play call, too. And a lot of people on Twitter on, and social media headset wearers and people who play Madden, they're all griping about the play call. Look. The decision to run the football with Cam was right. I will relent. They could have disguised it better. They could have used a different formation. They could have brought in different personnel. But the bottom line is this. The New England Patriots let their best player have the ball with the game on the line. They ran a play that hadn't been stopped in this game, in this season, and for most of Cam's career. What is not to agree with there? I mean, Colin Cowherd has a, has a rule. Say it out loud. The Patriots gave the ball to their best player in crunch time, and they ran their best play. Why are we questioning this today? Again, you could have disguised it better, dressed it up a little different, but the play was the right play, and Bill Belichick said so after the game. About what you would think it would be. We had one play to score, and we tried to – both what we thought was our best play. What else is there to think about? There's nothing else to think about. That is what you should be thinking about. Best player gets the ball, game on the line, major situation, the play hadn't been stopped. You people who are questioning it, I don't quite understand. Brandon Marshall played more than a decade in the NFL. He's now on Fox Sports 1 with Nick Wright on First Things First. He didn't like the play call. And then the first thing I thought about was like, oh, this is classic Josh McDaniels. They've been setting this up. They're going to do like a little pop pay, uh, pop pass where Cam Newton takes off to the left or takes off to the right. You see the tight end, you know, creep out, and then he's wide open in the back of the end zone. But then they took off and ran. I said, oh, no, of course Seattle was prepared for this. It's okay. Again, you're looking at it now, hindsight 2020. You're looking at it and saying just because it didn't work, it was wrong. The fans and media members are ridiculous. Every Coaches can do no right to anybody. And usually, hey, usually me too. 
but not in this case. Okay, in the Super Bowl, Patriots against the Seahawks, ironically, Pete Carroll was crushed. Why didn't you give it to Marshawn Lynch? You got to run it from the one. He's your best player, Pete. Now, Josh McDaniels runs it from the one, gives it to their best player, and now he's getting crushed. What do you people want? What do you people want? And by the way, in the same game, I have heard all week about how Seattle needed to, quote, let Russ cook. Let Russell Wilson be the guy. Let Seattle doesn't need to be a running team. So third and one, they put the ball in Russell's hands. He throws it deep, and everybody's complaining they shouldn't run it. What is wrong with you people? What are we not getting here? You give the ball to your best player and allow them to make plays. Russell Wilson, I had no problem with him throwing it on third and one, and I had no problem with Cam Newton getting the ball in crunch time on the goal line with a chance to win. It should have happened. I would do it again if I were Josh McDaniels. What are they saying? Let's get to number three. Number three. Boomer Esiason of WFAN Radio in New York, former Bengals Jets quarterback in the NFL, talking about Cam and what he's seen so far. Cam Newton is laying it on the line, guys. He is laying it all on the line. And he's playing, remember, he's playing uh, you know, on an incentive-laden contract. It's a minimum contract for a veteran. And the performance that he is giving is far out exceeding the, the contract that the Patriots are paying him. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the idea of a Cam extension soon, way sooner than I thought. Performance-wise, he's already there for me. It's evident to me that Cam is the best answer for this team, at least for next year. Okay, You're not signing anybody better than Cam Newton for any cheaper money in free agency. You see what Deshaun Watson gets. You see what Patrick Mahomes gets. You're not signing anybody who hits the free agent market who's better than Cam. If quarterbacks are good, they get locked up. You're also not being bad enough with Cam to tank and go get some elite college stud. At the very least, the Patriots are in the middle of the pack, and I think now middle upper portion of the pack. You are not getting some stud that's ready to come in and save the franchise for a decade. Cam would be the right move. The question is, if you sign him now, does it change the way you play? And what's the risk-reward there? They're free to do what they want with Cam because he's not making any money and Cam's motivated. If Cam starts, if Cam gets real dollars and the Patriots have to protect him, does that change the way that you play? And that's the question that New England has to answer. Number four. Number four. After the game with NBC's Michelle Tafoya, Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson speaking on the tragedy involving James White. First of all, Michelle, my heart's heavy. Um, you know, because one of my teammates, you know, James White, you know, from Wisconsin, one of the nicest guys, teammates, one of the hardest workers, one of the best people I know, you know, uh, had a tough one, you know, losing his dad. I'm not sure what the situation with his mom right yet, but uh, my heart's been heavy all day thinking about him. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I, obviously the game was the game. This, this year has been a tough year just as a whole and a lot of people that we know and people just going through so much, but. Uh, James, I'm, I'm praying for you, man, if you can hear me. Class act, Russell Wilson. Uh, the first thing on his mind after a great win was the the mental health of of James White and his family. Just unbelievably tragic what happened to Sweet Feet White's family. Um, his father was killed in a car crash before the game. His mother was in critical condition at the time that we're taping this. Um, 
your heart goes out to James White. Your heart goes out to his teammates who are thinking about him. You saw Devin McCourty in the pick six. Shout him out um, to the cameras when he came over and said, we're thinking of you 2-8. Tweets and prayers came in from all around the NFL. Uh, the Patriots miss James White on the field, but but that's the least of the concerns. Just our thoughts are with James White as well. I can't imagine what he's going through. I can't imagine what the team is going through. But uh, hopefully the team provides him some comfort and he's able to get back with the guys soon because uh, James White's a, a necessary part of the team on the field. But by and large, everything we've ever heard about James White is that he does it the right way. So uh, certainly wish James White and his family the best in a really difficult time. I want to get to our interview for the day. Uh, it's with Brett Davern, who is the Believe in Seahawks podcast host with former Seahawks linebacker Lofa Tatupu. He's also a noted actor and entertainer. He's been on television shows like Shameless and NCIS and CSI. He's played a major role in a movie, in a Beach Boys movie, and uh, he's a guy. It's interesting. We've already taped the interview before the game actually happened, so we didn't get to recap the game at all. We had even more fun than that. Let's get to Brett Davern. You know, we're doing something different on this episode of the Believe in Patriots podcast, and this only works in podcasting. It doesn't work in radio. So here's what we're doing. We're taping this interview before the game happens. We're going to air it after the game happens, and we can see how smart or stupid we were. So here's who we've got on the other end of this call. It's Brett Davern. He's an actor. I guess the best way is all-encompassing. He's an entertainer. You've seen him on episodes (laughs) CSI, NCIS, Shameless, Awkward on MTV. He played Carl Wilson in the Beach Boys movie. He's also a diehard Seahawks fan and the host of the Believe in Seahawks podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Brett, how are you? I'm good, man, but I got gripes, okay? Right off the bat. Uh Because I am an actor. I've got some pretty decent credits, and I'm a big Seahawks fan. But for some reason, Chris Pratt and Rain Wilson and Joel (laughs) McHale and all these other actors get all the credit for being a Seahawks fan. What's up? Have you raised the 12th man flag yet? No, I haven't even been asked. See, that's what (laughs) we need. I've never even gotten free tickets to a game. (laughs) That is what you need to do. You need to get to raise the 12th man flag, and then you need to go throw out the first pitch at the Mariners game, and uh, then you'll be all set. I would love to do all of the above. I want to drop the puck on the first Kraken game once yep. they get to Seattle and everything. My my partner in the Seahawks podcast that that I do for Believe and that we do for Believe is Lofa Tatupu, legendary yep. Seahawks player. And he's raised the 12th man flag and says that it's awesome and rubs my nose in it all the time. <laughs> well, you know, the, the guy from Death Cab for Cutie gets to throw out the first pitch and Eddie Vedder gets to raise the 12th flag. Why hey, he's are you from why San Diego. not there? So. I don't know. I'm born and raised up there man come on (laughs) well let me ask you so like i said we're doing this a little bit differently because this is going to be on my podcast after the game airs i'm telling you 27 21 seahawks is my prediction Uh let's check how i am we got the receipts what's your prediction for this game uh my prediction was 28 to 24 seahawks but it was really nice to see them win 42 to nothing wasn't it well we'll see how it plays (laughs) um all right now, my audience knows I'm a Seahawks fan at heart, although I do really like the Patriots. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Right. You grew up in Washington. How deep does your Seahawks fandom go? I got to find I, out. Okay, I w- saw Steve Largent play against the uh, the San Diego Chargers back when both teams were in the AFC in the Kingdome, probably like 1989, 1990, something like that. I mean, I've been a Seahawks fan my entire life, uh, just – 
forever. Like, I mean, I had a, a Brian Bosworth jersey, you know, <laughs> and then I had to watch Bo Jackson run him over on Monday Night Football. Like, I, it goes back a long way. I'm a lot older than I look. <laughs> I thought I saw something the other day. I said you were 28. Did I make oh, that that's, up? That's off by, oh, a decade or so. <laughs> oh, maybe it was 38. Maybe I read it wrong. Dude, but... I've been thrown out of bars in Seattle because they just <laughs> Google me and then they don't believe my real driver's license. And I, I try to tell them that the internet is full of lies and fake things, but, you know, uh, what are so, you going to do? I was going to ask you if you are a true Seahawk fan, there are two video clips that if you're watching NFL montage, one of them is bound to come up. Do you know what those two video clips are? Oh, man. Well, one of them right now is probably the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yep, that's in there. And the other one is what you said, Bosworth getting run over by Bo Jackson. Always. Always. Why don't, don't they ever? Why don't they show Peyton Manning? Uh, you know the balls being snapped over Peyton Manning's head at the beginning <laughs> of the other Super Bowl that I'd rather talk about. For as good as the Seahawks have been in the last fifteen years, you know I still identify. I'm a and I'm a diehard Mariners fan too. So like I identify with losing and badness in sports. <laughs> so um, for as good as the Seahawks have been for the last fifteen years. Like I still have this vision of them as being like led by Rick Meyer and John <laughs> Freeze and all right. these guys. Yeah, and yeah, every, yeah. Every highlight montage the NFL puts out is something anti Seahawks. Always, unless it's a unless it's a beauty shot of Russ Wilson, because yeah. we're all in love with him. The league is in love with him <laughs> right now. They use him all of the time. But as a team, the Seahawks still don't get the love that they're due. I don't think anyway. But I, whatever. I'm a twelve, and we always feel disrespected. Yeah. So that's how it what? goes. What's the worst Seahawks fan moment for you? You know, it's it, it's so funny because Lofa and I were talking about this. I think we were talking about it off the air on our show. I'm not sure. I'll probably grab the audio and put it on the air anyway. But we were talking about a couple of moments. One is the uh, moment in Green Bay years ago with Matt Hasselbeck, the uh, we want the ball, we're going to score coin flip. That's my worst moment right there. <laughs> that was my first worst moment as a yeah. fan. Because like you said, I was just so used to losing for so long. And then when they were good, I was like, okay, here we go. And then that moment happened and it was soul crushing. And then there's the other Super Bowl that shall not be named yeah. uh, that my radio partner yes. Lofa played in. And, you know, he was playing against two teams in that game, the Steelers and the right. guys in the striped shirts. Well, Daryl um, Jackson, that was not pass interference, <laughs> no doubt. No way! Give me a break. <laughs> and, like, a phantom holding call on Sean Locklear out there. And uh, what what else? Uh, ben Roethlisberger laying on the goal line with the ball not over the goal line, but there was no review back then. I mean, oh, I could go man. on and on about that game. Um, so there's that moment. And then, of course, there's the Patriots one. There's the, Those are the big three, I think, for Seahawks fans. Um, a Bo, uh, the Bo Jackson Bosworth thing has kind of become a joke, I yeah. think, by now. Um, but yeah, those are the, the the worst one for me is is losing in Green Bay because they had finally gotten good. I thought they were really good. They had the new uniforms. They're in the NFC now. They weren't getting crushed by Denver anymore, which I had to watch my entire childhood. Yeah, and uh, I was in eighth grade. I was playing a basketball game. I had to leave the game, play the basketball game, come back, find out they had lost, and see how they lost and be <sighs> crushed all over again. The other one, though, this is low-key because my all-time favorite Seahawk is Joey Galloway. Okay. So That's your all-time favorite? Yeah, because I got my first favorite remains my all-time favorite. Okay, like, I got you. I mean, you know, of course, like, Russ is my guy. Sean Alexander is my guy. Sean Springs has been my guy. But, like, yeah. Galloway was my first guy. He, they're they're seven and – no, they're eight and one. He holds out 
They're eight and one without him. He comes back. They finish nine and seven, and then go get beaten Miami in the Kingdom. I'll never forget that either. It's the worst. I know. <laughs> I know, man. I yeah, Joey Galloway. I remember being so excited when they when they drafted him and stuff, and he was good. But then you know they let him go, and then he ends up playing like twenty extra seasons after that. <laughs> I know. Now, since again, my audience knows I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm gonna have fun with. It. I got the Patriots gear behind me. I got this lovely patch shirt with the state of Vermont up there, which is kind of hard to tell, but it's oh, pretty that is cool. funny. Yeah. Um, I've got, let's see here, in my closet, which is where I record. That's my studio. It's my closet. Uh-huh. I've got the throwback Sean Springs jersey, original starter from like 1996. I've got Ooh, that. Number 24. I've, that's Ohio right. State, yeah. I've got, uh, I've got Russ. I've got Sean Alexander. I've got the Wolf Gray Cam Chancellor, the, nice. green, the green Tyler Lockett, and the white Thomas Rawls. Which jersey what? should I be wearing on Sunday night? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, boy. Okay, Sean Alexander, Sean Springs. Tyler Lockett, Russ, Cam Chancellor, Thomas Rawls. I think you got to go Cam. Okay. Represent Cam. Cam had some good games against the Patriots. Pretty recent, you know, recently departed from us and everything from the team. And, like, Cam... Cam was one of those guys who could change the game on defense with a hit. And the way that he would change the game on defense that way, I think is what Jamal Adams is going to be doing in the near future and hopefully for a very long time for the Seahawks. And so in honor of our new safety, you should wear our old safeties jersey. Now, I've traditionally tried to match whatever the team's wearing. That's what color jersey okay. I'll wear. All right, so fair enough. But but then again, I can only wear the Tyler Lockett lime green jersey once a year. That doesn't feel right, so I have but had if, to break that rule. But if you're going to have a Tyler Lockett jersey, that's the one to have because that's yeah. the jersey he was wearing during that insane catch against the Rams. Yes, that back of the end zone catch Thursday night football when they finally – see, it's kind of nice now. Well, it's, it's nice to have some serendipity in your life because growing up, all the Seahawks did was lose to the Rams. And then lately, all they've done is lose to the Rams. So it was nice to go and get a win on Thursday Night Football against yeah. the Rams. Not anymore, year. though. We're sweeping the Rams this season. Mark it down. You're far more confident. The Mariners have scarred me so much that I can't be that optimistic. So good for you. <laughs> well, um, Lofa, Lofa's optimism has rubbed off on me. You know, we've been yeah. doing the show for about a year now. And every time I start to do my like Seahawks fan thing of like, oh, I don't know, I'm pretty nervous. He's like, come on, we got this one. <laughs> and he's like such a pro athlete full of positive energy. And like, he, I mean, he's just such a leader. You can tell why he was such a leader on the team. And so he's got me believing we're going to go 16 and 0 so <laughs> well since the game hasn't happened yet at the time that we're taping this i want to ask you some i got some questions for you about your career acting podcasting etc sure how much time do you guys actually get to follow sports like how busy are you and how much can you really follow sports uh i mean quite a bit especially nowadays with twitter being the way that it is and it's so easy to just see the headlines as they roll past on your phone especially in real time you know you follow like any of the Seahawks beat writers or anything like that. So keeping up with the day-to-day is is pretty simple because once they stop rolling the cameras, everybody pulls out their phones anyway. And yeah. I'm looking at Seahawks stuff and uh, people are doing shopping or I don't know whatever else they're doing on their phones. <laughs> but I'm looking at Seahawks stuff. Um, actually, it's funny. Uh, when, when I was shooting... The, the, the TV show Awkward that I did on MTV for a long time, we shot at a real high school here in LA. So we would yeah. work on Sundays. So during football season, it's like I'm stuck at work and I'm DVRing the game and telling nobody to tell me what's going on and all that kind of thing. But then when playoff time started, I remember specifically, do you remember the playoff game against the Packers 
where I think Russell had thrown like, you know, 28 interceptions, but then we end up coming back and the fake field goal and all the fun and craziness that that game was. I was actually on set shooting the TV show during (laughs) that game. And my best friend, he plays my best friend on the show, but we're also best friends in real life. And his name is Bo and he's from Canada. And so he grew up a Seahawk fan. He grew up in, um, yeah, uh, Victoria. Yeah. Um, so he's a big time Seahawk fan, but I was shooting the scenes and he wasn't. So he was able to watch and he would just keep coming in and giving updates. Like, I think we're going to win this one. And I'm like <laughs> freaking out, like while trying to concentrate and do work. Cause there's a Seahawk game going on in the background. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky sometimes, but we try to pay as much attention as possible. There was a question. I, I had this long list of questions. Thing I want to things I want to ask you about your career. This one took a deep dive in research to find out, and I got to set it up because. So you were in a movie called The Pool Boys. Yeah, <laughs> which which I've never seen, and oh. I'm getting I'm getting to all this. No, you don't have to. I was going to ask if you wanted your money back. So well, we're <laughs> again we're getting to that, and I'm glad you have the audio or uh, the, the the sense of humor about this. So. My longtime radio host up here in Burlington, Vermont. So my listeners who are following me on this podcast will know this. I have a co. I had a co-host who is now almost sixty years old. He you know, did voiceover work and stuff like that, and he always wanted to be an actor. He played a part in the Pool Boys that me, that we guess, but we don't think it ever made. We never saw the movie, and we don't think it actually made the movie. But it was in the trailer. He is okay. half naked, yellow boxers with Simona Fusco on top of him in the bedroom. And we don't think it actually made the movie, but I've heard so much about the pool boys. I can't believe that I found someone else who knows what it is and was in it. Um, I think that is in the movie, actually. Real. His name is I, Arnie Spanier. It, it might be. I think it might be. Yeah. Oh my God. A lot of that stuff made it in. You can find that movie. You can rent it on like it's on iTunes Amazon Prime, or, I think. Oh yeah. It's, it's you could probably buy it if you want. And like I said, like I'm not offering any rebates or anything. <laughs> um actually it's funny. That movie came out better than I give it credit for. It just has a silly title and is like one of those throwback late nineties comedies, you know, sort of um I don't know, National Lampoon style or like Animal House-ish kind of thing. Is um, it supposed to be so stupid it's funny? Like, is that <laughs> is that the premise? Like, is it like American Pie-ish in that regard? You know, it's supposed to probably have the tone of like a risky business or something like that, or like okay. American Pie, like you said. It's, it's produced by uh, one of the producers from American Pie and the guy that okay. helped create American Pie. So it has that tone for sure. I think it just came along a little bit too late after... All of that stuff had already kind of been out there. But I think the movie's actually better than everybody gives it credit for. It's just that I, a lot of people can't get past the title. Whether it's that movie or anything else you've done or people you know in the business, have you ever made a movie and through the process you're like, what am I? This this sucks. <laughs> well, I started out doing um, educational movies that you okay. might see in your health class in junior okay. high or something like that. And uh, there was this company in New York. I I moved from Seattle to New York and did school out there and lived out there for years and then had since made it to L.A. and everything. But um, when I was living in New York, there's this company where we would go upstate, work at real high schools and shoot like all the things you you've seen a million times like yeah. say no to drugs uh yeah. spd awareness videos yeah. don't bully each other videos and like i was always in all of them and um <laughs> from time to time people will tweet me you know pictures from their health class of the tv like is this you and i'm like <laughs> mm, yep that's me <laughs> and uh so you know but 
we all got to start somewhere, right? So now that I know that you're a little bit older than me and not a little bit younger than me, this question Mm -hmm. is a little bit more fun. If you could go back in time and a show that was on when you were growing up, when we were growing up, what would you put yourself in? Like, for example, I put myself in Saved by the Bell. What would you put yourself in? That's my answer. (laughs) I I was already sitting here thinking that. Is there another answer? Like, come on. Like, guys our age, uh, Kelly Kapowski. Yeah. Jesse Spano, Lisa Turtle, uh, was, the, even the Jesse years. Come on. Like, it was the, there was nothing better than that show. I was watching it the other day and I thought to myself, it's still great, but like, how unbelievably weird is this? Mr. Like, Mrs. Belding's giving birth in the elevator and now they're. <laughs> And now they're wrapping the baby up in a Bayside High School football jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like uh, Zach is the basically the general manager for a beach club, even though he's probably <laughs> seventeen. You know, <laughs> it doesn't and, make uh, any sense. The the daughter Stacy Carosi is the yeah. woman from King of uh, from uh, King of Queens. Leah Remini. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, yeah. I'm awful with actor actress names like i just know them as the person who played this on something else well and the the mr karosi is isn't he the voice of pumba from the original yes. lion king yes. yeah so Good there you point. go yeah so say by the bell and then you know it's funny you mentioned the tory years this is the most oh, tory that's what i meant i said yeah. jesse i meant tory My this bad. is the most awkward thing i've ever seen because i was wondering to myself like where did tory come from and i started to do a deep dive on this so they did Season five, the final season, 20 episodes, and they shot the finale. Then NBC decided, you know what, let's throw 20 more episodes on. But Kelly and Jesse said no. So they just brought in Tori randomly, <laughs> took, took their place. Jesse and Kelly go away. No one knows about it. And then they air the finale after the new episodes without Tori and with Kelly and Jesse. Yeah, because they graduate, right? It, yeah, they, uh, uh, Jesse and Kelly. Right? Yeah, so it's like the weirdest thing ever. There's 40 episodes, 21 of which feature Kelly and Jesse, <laughs> and 20 feature Tori, and they're all out of order. It's, it's so strange. And then Screech is on the new class, and then there was yeah. the college years and all of that. I'm all over, dude. That was that was my show. Like I remember taping Saved by the Bell Wedding in Vegas and watching it with <laughs> commercials and stuff. Like that, oh. my jam. I still like when they go to Hawaii the best. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. It, oh. It, there's a it's for a wedding or right like Kelly's dad Kelly, or, Kelly's uncle owns the hideaway and it's about to close. Is that what it is? They're trying to save it. I know that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Now, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a teenage ish show. What show from more recently would you put yourself on? Like me, Entourage. Oh, what a show! That's a great show and a really good choice too. Uh, a little half an hour show, right? Like, so yeah, fun to shoot. Um. <sighs> Maybe just to go a different way, but sticking with HBO, I mean, Game of Thrones, like being on location in New Zealand for mm. months at a time would be pretty cool. I just think for the 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 adventure of all the travel that you get to do w- would be a lot of fun and all the stunts and stuff. You get to play around with swords and things. That'd be pretty cool. See, I, I, I never watched Game of Thrones. I'm way out of the loop. I think I'd rather be an actor on Game of Thrones than be a Game of Thrones fan, though, if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> that final amazing. season, that final season left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. That's just me. Just so, me. I have a I have a question I've always wondered, and I don't talk to too many people in TV or movies. I have to ask it. So I'm re- I'm watching. So this is how I operate. I haven't seen too many things, but the things I have seen, I've seen seen a trillion times. Right. So 
I'm watching the town the other night with Ben Affleck on, uh-huh. on TV and I've seen it a million times and I've seen it unedited on DVD when they put in the edits for television. How is that done? Is Ben Affleck cutting the same scene twice? Is it going after years later when they find out it's pr- uh, popular? It, it's got to be the studio or somebody. I bet you they have a whole department for just uh, make this okay for TV or airplanes or something like huh. that. I I doubt it's Ben. I don't think Ben's in an edit bay like, oh, do you think this one will work, kid? I don't know. <laughs> I, that's, that's my bad Boston accent. Sorry. That was hey, Matt, bad. what do you think about this? <laughs> so, yeah, I was trying to figure out. I'm like, is Ben Affleck cutting the movie twice, one appropriately and one inappropriately? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a documentary. Actually, Well, maybe this throws us off a little bit, but hold on. Tangent. There's yeah. a documentary uh, that's pretty interesting. Oh, I wish I knew the title of it offhand, but people can Google it. Literally, if you just Google a uh, documentary about uh, Mormons who edit movies, there will be a documentary okay. that comes up because there's these companies in Utah where they take films and then edit them so that they can watch it, but they cut out all the stuff that's... So huh. maybe that's the same company that's doing that for the <laughs> town on TV. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Do, act- do actors have rivals? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, okay. sure. I, y- y- you end up seeing the same people... Uh, you know, in audition rooms or in meetings or whatever, just around town or at parties or whatever. But it's um, it, it, it's polite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's you know, because you, you just never know who you're going to be working with or anything like that. Like I, I tend to play or hate sometimes in my own head. But um, you know, it's I don't know. It's it's all just a business. Like I don't begrudge anyone getting a job or anything like that. Not really. You know, but I don't mind sitting around talking shit about it on the radio sometimes. (laughs) You know, I know a lot of athletes who don't watch their sport when they're not playing it because they need to get away. Do you watch a lot of TVs and movies? I don't watch a lot of TV and movies, really, that I'm not in. But everything I'm in, I watch like 100 times because it's... (laughs) Because it's great. It's the best. Of course. That's got to be the reason. Either that Uh, or you're a harsh grader of yourself. (laughs) Well, you you know, honestly, you can learn a lot from watching yourself. I mean, that's why they watch film and sports and everything, right? So I do do watch it for that. But in terms of like general TV and, and movies and stuff, I went through a lot of years where I don't watch a lot of it i i i watch reality tv but not like kardashians reality tv i watch reality tv like you know people who live alone in the middle of alaska in a cabin that they built themselves like that kind of stuff i've shamelessly with my girlfriend got into 90 day fiance i'm embarrassed to say it but it is (laughs) it is unbelievable theater that show is pretty interesting actually i got into the one on netflix with the uh blinded by love or what was the one where they can't see each other love at first sight or i don't oh, know i don't know called. but i not, not to stunt for your old network there but i was watching jersey shore reruns a lot of oh. quarantine which oh. was phenomenal yeah t-shirt time for yeah, sure so i, I love jersey shore if in a normal world we could go out and i was gonna go out drinking i would still go cabs here i mean i would still <laughs> say that so it's funny our show was on mtv at the same time they were on i think they our show came on maybe during their season two or three. So they were really popular by the time we got there. And so all the MTV events that we would do, whether it was things like the VMAs or movie awards that everybody knows about, or whether they're like inside MTV get togethers for advertisers or things like that, we would always be hanging out with the Jersey shore cast and they're really cool. I don't, have anything bad to say about that. Like off camera and like, they're all pretty cool and chill. (laughs) We had a lot of fun. 
I don't know that I want to know the answer to this, but our reality TV, what degree, there's got to be some scriptedness, right? Like they, these people can't all be this crazy. They got to say, Hey, do it up a little bit. I think it's the producers going like, you know, so-and-so said something about you the other night. It's, I think it's oh, like that sort of like subject, like subversive. I think like, you know, the situation in his confessional said that you blah, blah, blah. And then I think oh, they like wow. juice it up like that. Maybe instead of saying, go in the living room and say this right now. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay. That's so- my thought. I have no idea, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know. This is just a, well, an opinion. One more television question. We'll get back to football quickly. Um, what's going to happen with the fall shows, by the way? Like, are, are people shooting shows right now? Are they going to – they're they're supposed to have already started, I think. Like, when are they coming back? They are shooting shows in Canada. I know okay. they've started shooting. I know uh, other countries, like shows that shoot on location and not here are up and running, I think, uh, for the most part. I know I have some friends, uh, not just friends who are actors, but friends who work on crews and things like that, who um, like I, know, I have one friend who is shooting a uh, shark tank in yeah. Las Vegas right now. Like they're holed mm-hmm. up in some hotel that they've taken over and they, you know, have the whole thing in a bubble and everything. So TV's coming back. It'll, it'll, it'll be there. It's just going to be done in a completely different way. Like I've heard that they're having real life husbands and boyfriends and girlfriends and stuff coming in to do romantic scenes with the actors who are already on the show so that they can kiss people and stuff. I don't, wow. the whole thing's strange, but it's going to be fun to watch for all of us. <laughs> see, well, see how well they do it. So, so again, retroactively, receipts are here. 27-21 Seahawks was my prediction. Yours is 28-24. What's going to have been the key to the game for you? Well, can the Seahawks stop Cam Newton? And uh, because running the ball, may, I mean, look, the Seahawks have had a lot of experience with Cam Newton over the yeah. years when he played in Carolina. We know that. And we we won a lot of those games. You know, some of them had to pull out at the, we had to pull out at the last second, but um we've played him a lot and it's just going to be, can the defense, you know, stop him? I think he's the entire key to, to the Patriots, especially offensively. And then can Russell continue to cook and do what the internet's been asking the Seahawks to let him do for a long time. And, you know, Bill Belichick, I mean, he's going to be ready right after watching week one. So can Russell continue to do that against, you know, one of the best defensive minds in the game who, by the way, Bill, I think called Russell Wilson, the best player in the game right now or something. He said, I don't see anybody better than this guy. So in his own Bill Belichick way, I guess that is that, um, yeah. What's coming up? Believe in Seahawks. Obviously, what do you guys? What have you guys been doing? What's? How do you format it? Do you just say, "Hey, Lofa, you play in the NFL. We're not bringing on any guests. Do you bring on all of Lofa's friends? Do you bring on your friends? What's the format?" Well, I mean, we're still getting. This is our first season. Uh, our first actual season doing it together. We've been yeah. doing episodes leading up to the season and everything. Doing like one a week. I think now that the season's going, we're trying to get two out there a week. You know, a recap of the game that was and a preview of the game that's going to be coming up. Uh, the next weekend. And as far as guests and stuff, I mean, we're open to everything. I, I keep, you know, uh, nudging Lofa every week, like call, call Bobby Wagner. Can you please? Yeah. Can yeah. You, Cause you know, he's got his number, you know? Oh yeah. Of course. So uh, hopefully we can do some of that stuff uh, 
as it rolls on. I want to mention uh, Lofa wanted me to make sure to let you know and, and let your listeners know uh, because his dad played for the Patriots. That's right. And Mo that, you know, Patriots legend. He played there for over 10 years. He yeah. uh, was a pro bowler and all that. And, and so Lofa grew up around the organization and has tons of respect for the Patriots and the Patriots organization and shared a cool story with, with us about um, Robert Kraft uh, uh, yeah. after Lofa's dad passed, uh, you know, far too early. Um, Robert Kraft and the Patriots, like, you know, gave some donations to different charities and, and also sent uh, various things to the wake and things like that. And they were just, they were there for Lofa and his family after his dad passed. And Robert Kraft wasn't even the owner of the Patriots when mm -hmm. Lofa's dad played for them. So, I mean, just, yeah. you know, class organization and, and he has a lot of respect for them, but at the same time, like is excited to see them lose on Sunday. So yes. <laughs> believe the Patriots podcast host, Brett Davern, actor, podcast host, entertainer. You can find them all over IMDB and you can listen to them, Apple podcasts and Spotify. Brett, man, we appreciate it. And, uh, retroactively good luck to the Seahawks on Sunday. We'll talk again down the line. Yeah, thanks, Brady. Really appreciated it. Thanks, man. All right, I want to thank Brett Davern for coming on again, host of the Believe in Seahawks podcast. And uh, I can't believe I got to ask somebody about the movie The Pool Boys, which I've actually heard far too much about. So I appreciate Brett indulging me in that. So uh, a fun interview for sure. You can check him and Lofa Tutupu out again. Believe in Seahawks. A couple minutes left. So here we go, something notable. It might be big, it might not be, but it caught our attention. One big note from the game. Henry McKenna, Patriots beat writer for Patriots Wire, friend of the podcast, has well noted this, and it is interesting. He says this, the Patriots certainly look too light or too slow at linebacker with either Adrian Phillips or Juwan Bentley. What's up with Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings, two draft picks from this year? Uche didn't play in week one, and Jennings just played two snaps on defense this week. The tight ends aren't contributing from the rookies either. Dalton Keene hasn't played, but Devin Asiasi got just 10 snaps yesterday in the game as well. Why are the rookies not contributing more? It's a fair question because, and certainly some of it is explainable, right? It's explainable when you think about coronavirus, lack of camp, lack of mini camp, lack of OTAs, familiarity with veterans. Patriots had eight players opt out, a lot of them on the defense. Jennings and Uche, two of the guys that they've been counting on to kind of spearhead this youth movement on the defense, they've got to be a part of this. I mean, Uche and, and Winovich and Kyle Duggar are cornerstone pieces now for this team moving forward. And in a year where Dante Hightower is not there to block you, and a year where Patrick Chung isn't there to block Duggar, and in a game where the linebackers certainly looked their part as the weakest unit on the team, you got two rookie linebackers. They should be able to get out here and contribute. And that they're not, again, it might not mean anything. It might mean everything, but it certainly was notable. I want to get to one more thing of note. Snap count in the game uh, on Sunday night came from Zach Cox, Patriots reporter at Nesson. Rex Burkhead played 51 offensive snaps. Sony Michelle, just 15. I have to imagine that some of this is because the team was down double digits in the second half. Burkhead's a better pass catcher. Burkhead's a better pass blocker. So therefore, he provides more value, value on the field, especially when James White is not playing. But maybe the Patriots are telling us it's something more than that. Sony Michelle gets out-snapped 3-1. to one. Like, kid, you've got to be able to do something in the pass game if you want to be on the field now in the NFL. Sony Michelle needs to become 
more than one-dimensional. They won a Super Bowl with him. I will never say he was a bust. I will defend that take for as long as Sony Michelle is in New England. But if he doesn't, if he wants to get his fifth-year option exercised, he's got to prove that he is valuable on the field beyond just running up the middle. And that he's having a hard time proving that early on. Let's wrap up the show with another new segment. This one's called This Makes Me Want to Drink. The weekend is over. I thought it was time to stop drinking. I'm kind of beat. Yeah. yeah. Thank God I'm exhausted. But this makes me want to drink. I just can't. I need a drink. Give me a drink. What makes me want to drink if I'm a Patriots fan is Nikhil Harry not getting much in the way of yards after the catch. Nikhil Harry, I told you there's a real reason to be encouraged by him. He had eight catches yesterday, but again, just 72 yards. That's only nine yards per catch, which isn't great. That would rank towards the bottom of the NFL among qualified receivers in most years. I'm sure of that. I don't even have to look that up to know that that's going to be true. If Nikhil Harry's best quality is getting him the ball in space, you don't want to see him be arm tackled. Eight catches is good. He had 12 catches all of last year. He's got 13 now in two games. He has a rapport with Cam Newton. He is getting better. You want to see him start to break some tackles and bring some elusiveness to the ball game and to the Patriots because that's a dimension of the Patriots offense that can and should be unlocked. Second thing that makes me want to drink is all the injuries in the NFL. And while the Patriots have been able to avoid them, knock on wood, through two weeks. He saw two what looks like gruesome knee injuries last night for Seattle and Marquise Blair and Bruce Irvin. And the list goes on and on of players who are now out for the year or missing significant time. Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, Derwin James, Cortland Sutton, Anthony Barr, Marlon Mack, Gerald McCoy. I mean, and the list goes on. Um, while some of these injuries will ultimately help the Patriots in individual matchups, will some of these Injuries will ultimately help your favorite team at some point if they're not the Patriots. You don't root for anybody to get injured. You don't root for anybody's chance to make money to be sapped from them. And ultimately, you should want to beat teams who are at their best because it gives you a better a better understanding of where you are. So wish all those players the best. The Patriots won't see Nick Bosa when they play San Fran in Week 5. They won't see Derwin James when they play the Chargers later this year, and they won't see Cortland Sutton when they take on Denver as well, or Von Miller. So hopefully those players get better uh, and can get back into it in their career as well. So uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Believe in Patriots podcast. Thank you to everybody for joining us. My buddy Aaron pressing all the buttons in our backstage room there as we try out some new things. So thank you to everybody, and uh, we'll see you next. We'll see you later this week with episode number two of the week as uh, we get ready for Patriots and Raiders, that game in Foxborough at 1 o'clock. As always, follow me at FA Radio Brady, the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Until next time, we'll see you soon, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.